This is a place. This is a place. This is a place. We want to talk about. This is a place. Welcome to this week's episode of This is a Place podcast. My name is Nate, and with me is Brandon, who believes that Nicholas Cage is crazy. But you've got to admit, he is a national treasure. That he is. Do you know how Nicholas Cage answers his phone? How does he do that? Yes, I'll do your movie. That's pretty on point. Yeah. He is. He does. He's quite a character, isn't he? <laughs> character. Which character, except for the movie where he plays himself? That movie's funny. I still haven't seen it. I can't remember the name of it, but... Unbearable weight of massive talent? Something like that. Something? It's, it's got the Mandalorian in it. What is your favorite Nicolas Cage movie? Uh, My favorite one? Outside of Con Air? Yes. Well, um, it could be Con Air. If that's your choice. I haven't seen Con Air for a long time. I need to rewatch that because of our episode. Um, I really like the unbearable weight of massive talent. I did enjoy Ghost Rider as well. Ghost Rider wasn't like, I think it was just, Ghost Rider is just a silly, fun movie to watch. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is about it. But yeah, I, I like National Treasure as well, the first one. National Treasure is a good movie. Have you so, seen The Family Man? I really like that one. Oh, yeah. It's been years. That was a good one. The Rock was good as well. City of Angels. The Croods. Have you seen The Croods? Uh, yeah. I've the seen second one was funny, too. Parts of it a bunch of times. I know we're talking about Nicolas Cage, but this week is also kind of a holiday. Did you know that? March 10th. What's March 10th? It's Mario Day. Oh, of course. Mario Day. Why? It's it's the day before my anniversary. My anniversary is this week as well. So I got like back-to-back holidays to celebrate. (laughs) The new Mario movie is coming out in April. Why isn't it coming out this week? That's a good question. And that'd be perfect too, because is it March 10th, Friday, when they normally release the movies anyways? Yeah. Missed opportunity. Plus, it was supposed to be released on... I think is Good Friday is when it falls this year, but then they moved it to a Wednesday anyway. I wonder if it comes out on the 5th or something. Maybe they want it kind of out in theaters when it's warm and kids are outside or getting close to being, I don't know, out of school. So it can be like a summer movie. I don't know why they do the thing. They couldn't finish editing, but yeah, you're right. Missed opportunity. March 10th would have been perfect. And when, yeah, the odds of it falling on a Friday, like normal release date. Could you have picked but a better time to release the movie? I don't. I submit you cannot. Do you know um, what type of overalls Mario wears? Oh no, what type? Den- denim, denim, denim. <laughs> With that, it's time to start the episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Roll the tape. Wait. So we, you hinted at it. You mentioned Con Air, Nicolas Cage, all those, well, those two things tie <laughs> into, <two> things. <laughs> not all those, Mario doesn't tie into the episode, but 
Nicholas well, we're talking Cage about movies. We're talking about movies. We got Con Air. We've got Independence Day. Uh, a new Amazon show coming out, and a other few. He'll mention it in the episode. The one where they burn the buildings down. Yep. We talk about all the things many years ago. The Windover Historic Airfield reached out to us to come and do an episode, and we finally got around to doing it with our whole trip. And I think this was, aside from having the free rooms, I think this was a big part of why we decided to go out there. And it definitely delivered, I will say. Yeah, did not disappoint. No. So we spoke with the curator. Let's hear our interview with him. So today we're joined with Landon Wilkie, who is the curator. So you are the head honcho of the Windover Airfield. I do have a boss. It's our director, Jim Peterson, who really got this base saved into the condition it is. But yeah, I get to play with the artifacts and make exhibits and do all sorts of things. So a you great place to be. He's a volunteer? Yeah, he volunteers his time to do this. And I'm the only full-time paid employee. So we're... Uh, Trying to grow from there, but I'm privileged to be in this position. Yeah, we're actually here on site right now recording at the Windover Airfield. That's the proper title, right? Yep. And what building are we in right now? So this is the original officer's club, now called the Brinkman Service Club, but it's a pretty swanky place. Well, it feels like you're walking into the past when you walk in the front doors and uh, like a movie. It'd be, well... We'll get into that, but you're welcome back into history. The closest to getting to a time machine as you can. Yeah. And where we're sitting, I mean, we're in the upper portion of the building, and we're surrounded by military uniforms and mannequins and hats. What would you call those hats? Helmets. Helmets. (laughs) (laughs) The hard things? Helmets. Hard helmets? Yeah. They're a little more functional than a hat. You've got lots of replicas, and we were playing with a phone just a couple minutes ago. So it's a pretty cool place, and you've even got old-timey music playing throughout the building to add more to that vibe. So we've just finished up. First, I want to say thank you for this amazing tour. Landon took us around to all the sites, all the cool stuff on the the base, the hangars, and all you can want to see on a tour. Yes. Know, we'll, we'll get more into that, but... Right, but I also feel like there's a whole lot more that could be seen, right? Like, Oh, yeah. There's a like lot we, to we, this place. We just barely touched the surface of <laughs> what can be seen and explore. My curiosity is you you live here on quote-unquote base, right? I do, yep. So, and how long have you been here? So I've been here about four years. For the last couple of years, we've moved into the uh, one of the historic fire stations on base, Unfortunately, not the one with the fire pole, but it's oh, bummer. still cool to say I live in a fire station. When you say we, who's we? So I got my wife and three children out here with me, living in this lovely desert oasis. <laughs> but I think it's a fun place for the kids to grow up. They could come down to the airport and play. So. Yeah, I mean, I would have a heyday as a kid. Just I don't know how much exploring they can do or are allowed to do, but how old are they? Four, two, and one. Oh. So, there's... so they're running around getting into everything. But they like riding in the Jeep, and they, they think I own the airport. So it feels pretty good. Let them believe that. <laughs> <laughs> how do, um, I mean, it has nothing to do with the base, but how, like, schools out here, being such a relatively small town, 
how does that work? Like, do they have one school for kindergarten through high school, or do you even know? So the Utah side actually has elementary school and middle school, high school. So those are two separate. And even though we're right on the border, there's two different school districts. So Nevada, they have their own three separate schools, elementary, middle, and high school. So it's it's an interesting place. But How many kids do you have any idea, like how many kids go to each school or the high school? How many kids are going to the high school? Oh, I, I don't. It, it's a pretty small graduating yeah. class, whatever it is. Small enough that they can hold prom in here, oh, okay. which they're actually planning on. So, oh, here, oh. In the, yeah, oh, here, cool. here in the club. Okay, it's a good place. So that for size, it. that size. <laughs> so I think that probably like for sports wise, maybe a one A, possibly two A school, or half A, half A, <laughs> half A school. <laughs> so, and you do live on the Utah side, and this base is. Mostly on the Utah side? Is there a portion that's technically Nevada? or So the entire base was built in Utah. When we first moved here, we were on the Nevada side, had to change residency from Utah, and then we had to change it back when we moved into the fire station. So How strange. It's unique. Very unique. <laughs> and then also curiosity question, how often do you go over to the the fun side of Wendover? All the time, but typically just for grocery shopping. Okay. <laughs> Some, sometimes we'll hit up the casino restaurants, but if I start gambling, you can't escape it if you live here. Yeah. That's a good point. Can't live, eat where, yeah, you know, whatever that <laughs> phrase goes. <laughs> Don't eat where you crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you guys offer tours, right? We do. Tours. Yeah, so this is... What we call now Historic Windover Airfield. We're a nonprofit that works with the airport to restore as much of this original World War II Army Air Force base as possible. This is the most original and complete operating Army Air Force training base left in the country. Of the original 668 buildings, there's almost 90 still standing throughout the area. So there's a lot to work with as far as original infrastructure so that folks can experience and as we say, walk where they walked. I mean, these are the literal floors, buildings, where these guys were back during the war. And how often do you offer tours, or if somebody wants to come out and tour the place, how does that work? Do you need to make a reservation, or do you just show up and say, show me around? It can be a little of both. Um, we're right now usually open Monday through Saturday, and almost every day we offer a 130-hour-long flight line tour, so you get to see a couple hangars, the fire station, few other things. So that's the best way to see the base if you come. Otherwise, you at least get to see both the museum buildings here in the officer's club next door at the airport. You can tour the airplane outside, climb the control tower. So there's a few things you can do even if you don't take the tour. I guess what would be the best time for someone to come out here? Just for sake of temperature, because it could be so cold or so hot in Wendover. I'd say spring or fall. It's usually a little slower. You might end up with a private tour for yourself or your family so it's a good way to just come out experience things and what is the cost to take a tour so the tours ten dollars for adults five dollars for youth i think 12 to 8 12 to 17 and then that's on top of museum admission which is five bucks to see a number of things and all that goes directly back into helping keep up and restore these buildings so it's an ongoing project Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. There's so much more to do. We're actually waiting to hear back from the state legislature right now to see if we're getting a decent amount of money to help us 
put into restoring the B-29 hangar. So we think that there needs to be more support from the state, from the government. Because this, there's a lot of history in this site, as I'm sure we'll oh. address more closely. Yeah, I don't even know how to even begin or start talking about yeah. the things we saw. <laughs> well, for the legislature, I'm sure they all listen to us, but give them some money, guys. Come yeah. on. I know some people on, this, on the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> Cox, you're listening, man. Come on. <laughs> Where do we start, though? I don't I mean, know. I don't even yeah. know how to. I, I mean, mean we, I, I we, feel like each building could almost be its own episode. Yeah. Well, we've got movie history here. We've got the war history here. We've got atomic bomb history here. <laughs> uh which I can briefly walk you through kind of our World War II history first, just so yeah. you know, we know what happened here. Oh, why, yeah, why did the base come to be? That's probably good. Start. Yeah, when it started and all that kind of stuff. So Wendover was founded in 1907 by the Western Pacific Railroad. That's really the only thing that brought people to live here in the middle of nowhere was they needed a stop for the railroad so they could take on water before they crossed the salt flats or started climbing the mountains into Nevada. So by 1940, we had a population of like 100 people. Oh, wow. But Congress knew that one way or another we were going to get involved in this growing world war. So they found this West Desert out here. What's now called the Utah Test and Training Range was established in the late 1930s. And Wendover was created to help manage some of that bombing and gunnery range. So we had a little bit here before the war. But then, just by March of 1942, just a few months after the attack on Pearl Harbor, I mean, the demand was so high to train guys and get them overseas for fighting, we were designated as a, as a heavy bomber training base, flying our four-engine heavy bombers, B-17s and B-24s. So we were a second-phase base. That meant guys would typically have graduated in a specialty somewhere around the country, so you'd have pilots coming from, like, Texas, navigators from Kansas, bombardiers from New Mexico, gunners from anywhere around the country. This is where they'd be assigned to their air crew, their squadron group. They typically had about 90 days to learn how to work together as a functioning combat unit, and they'd ship out. So this was fast-paced, intensive training, learning how to operate and survive in war. So our first bomb group arrived in 1942 called the 306th Bomb Group. So their claim to fame is being the first over Germany to actually fly over enemy lines and start bombing German targets, which was a big deal for the Army Air Force to show that they were going to make a difference in the war. And we trained 20 or 19 other bomb groups flying 17s and 24s after that. So we had tens or hundreds of thousands of guys that passed through here during the war for that purpose. At its peak, we had about 20,000 individuals on base at a time, about 18,000 airmen and 2,000 civilians to staff the base. So, I mean, that, that exceeds what Wendover is now easily. And then by 1944, we weren't doing as much heavy bomber training. So that eventually ended. Then we, they brought in some fighter planes called the P-47 Thunderbolt, built by Republic. So the 72nd Fighter Wing was out here learning how to do their stuff in those. Guys were showing off in their fancy fighter planes. And then Wendover, as the Manhattan Project, this effort to make the atomic bombs for use in the war, 
Being out here in the middle of nowhere was a nice secure option. We're relatively close to Los Alamos. And some of what people think helped influence the decision, there was a guy named Curtis LeMay. So he was one of the fathers of our bombing doctrine we used during the war. He's very well known, especially in Air Force history. He was here with the 306th Bomb Group at the beginning of the war. And by the end of the war, he was out in the Pacific over control of the B-29 Superfortresses, our brand new bombers in the Pacific. So we think he uh, had some input as far as, oh, I know this place out in the middle of nowhere. As he said, it was a great place to land and take off. That's about all you could say for it. In <laughs> fact, you so much as looked and you wanted to take off right away. <laughs> so at that point, we had 15 what were called silver plate B-29s. These were the modified bombers meant to carry the little boy and fat man atomic bombs. They and their crews, all the ground crew maintenance of the 509th composite group was activated here on December 17, 1944. Just 40 years after the Wright brothers first flew, now we have an atomic bomber squadron. Um, so they were here learning how to accurately drop these new bomb designs. We had a different group out here called the 216th Army Air Force Base Unit Special. They, throughout that last year of the war, built over 150 prototypes for testing of little boy and fat man bombs. No nuclear material, so we don't have to worry about walking around with a Geiger counter nowadays, thankfully. We can breathe with, with assurance. We're, we're okay. No downwinder stuff going on in Windover. And yeah, from here they shipped out to the Pacific, flew their mission, and ended the war, or helped end the war in September, August 1945. So, I mean, Wendover was so important as far as the Army Air Force goes from, you know, first over Germany bomb group to helping conclude the war with training the atomic mission group. So as far as kind of a comprehensive history of what the Army Air Force contributed during the war, I don't think there's any other place like this. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. You bring up, so just from where we're sitting, bring up like Little Boy. You've got a replica of that here in the bottom portion of this hall, I guess you call it. And you said that there, someone is building you a replica of a fat man. Fat yep. man. So we'll have both bombs soon. Full size, one to one scale. When did you already? I don't think you already said, but when did this stop being utilized as a as a base or a training facility? So we continued on. We were eventually downgraded to an auxiliary Air Force base. We just hosted a little bit of training here and there with visiting fighter bomber groups. We hosted some early rocket training and testing, but by the mid seventies. There was so little going on, the government finally got rid of it, turned this place over to Wendover City. A lot of, maybe some of the disrepair came from those in-between years, right? A lot of things have fallen into, I mean, things just haven't been kept up as well. Things have fallen to the wayside, and 
what you guys are doing is trying to build that back up, re- restore, and make this somewhat close to what it once was. That's right. We at least want a sampling of what it once was so you can experience a little bit of everyone's life as it would have been here in Wendover, from the men to the women and in all different types of jobs and positions. But outside of doing the tours, there's still uses for the facility, right? Oh, absolutely. So the airport's still functioning. If you're a pilot, come fly in. You can check out the museum, head up to the casinos. But we still host the military quite often, so we'll have them out here for exercises. The Air Force, the Army, even the Navy have found uses for us. They might come stay for a week and operate out here in the desert from Windover Airport. So we get to see a lot of cool things. Last year we saw some C-17s, big cargo planes flying and offload, two or three helicopters apiece that were then going to be operating. So it's a unique sampling of what we get. We had, when I first started here, the Diesel Brothers came out here and jumped over a flying airplane with one of their monster trucks. Okay, yeah. It's just a unique space that people find to use, including for... Because I think we want to talk about film as well. Film. And we also have somebody who was on our podcast. Man, how long has it been? They do a ghost tour? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was here, in 2021, so. I think. So, um, but yeah, the exciting part is Hollywood, right? Oh, of course. It's all exciting. Yeah. It's all exciting. Well, post, <laughs> post-war yeah. stuff. Um, but it's there's still so much from those early days that it's a, a good location for someone to come out and film maybe a timepiece, right? Right. Or uh, kind of apocalyptic stuff, maybe. Or an alien piece. Maybe an alien (laughs) piece, yeah. I mean, to have this much stuff here that they don't really have to bring in probably a lot of, uh, maybe some props and stuff, but the infrastructure here makes it a good place to film. I don't know, what are some of the... Some of the movies that have been filmed here. The bigger ones that people would know. So some of the big ones, like in 2003, we had the Hulk filmed out here. Oh, really? Oh, wow. So you'll see in particular some shots of the south base, the Hulk hopping through the desert. So the Hulk was actually here. Mm-hmm. Hulk smash. That's probably why some of the buildings are broken. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to keep them under control. <laughs> um, I didn't show you in one of those art buildings we share with the group called Cluey, or Center for Land Use Interpretation. They have an old, degraded Hulk hand, foam hand. I don't know if it's from filming or... we got to go back out. ...some other time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the Hulk, other big ones. You can walk where Nick Cage walked. A good portion of Con Air was filmed out here. We were the parts where they landed at Lerner Airfield after the prisoners had hijacked the plane. So in particular, on the south base, you'll see a tower sitting out there. It looks like a control tower that was built just for the movie. And there's a scene where Agent Malloy's car gets stuck to the airplane as they're trying to leave and blows through a control tower that's still out there. Hmm. In front of... There was the swimming pool, which you guys got to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think everyone remembers Steve Buscemi with the little girl having a tea party. Got the whole world in my hands, they sing. That was filmed in our kiddie pool, where... Garland Green, the serial killer's out there with the little girl, and one of the most terrifying parts of the movie. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else from Con Air, but Independence Day is another big one. So most of the Area 51 scenes were shot here on base. So you'll see our hangars, our control tower. Bill Pullman gave his famous, Today we celebrate our Independence Day in front of Hangar 3. 
So you can still great, see that on the tours. Oh, thank Spot you. on. Thank you. <laughs> I used have more of that memorized. Now it's here, Nicholas Cage. That's <laughs> Shoot. Bees! <laughs> that movie's funny. And I haven't seen this one. There was one called The Core, where they're burrowing into the center of the earth for oh, some reason yeah. to save mankind. I don't think I saw that one. So The Core exists somewhere in the mountains, out just like right here outside of Wendover. They actually started digging the hole for filming. But their base camp was the B-29 hangar, so you'll see that in the movie. And then we've had a host of small things, documentaries talking about World War II, there's a new upcoming show I don't know if I can mention, but it'll be on Amazon Prime, kind of sci-fi post-apocalyptic, so you might see us on the big screen if you're looking out for new shows coming out there. We'll talk about it when it's out. There you go. There we go. But yeah, I didn't know we had all these uh, movies we could talk about. In time yeah, give us like up. at least six new movies we can talk about on the podcast. Yeah, we'll reach out to Nicolas Cage and see if he wants to come on. Yeah, bring him, bring him back out. Of I'm all sure he'd people, love to. like he probably would do something yeah. weird with a random little podcast. Yeah, he's not busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, with Nick Cage, I did, uh, the one I forgot to mention was we have that plane sitting outside. It's a retired Air Force C-123 provider transport. It is one of three iterations of the Jailbird that they used to make Con Air with. Yeah, so that was part of the prison transport there. You can walk right inside. So if you're a Con Air fan, that's... A reason right there to come out here. Can you share why that plane's still here? So during filming, there was actually a mishap where the plane either fell off a trailer, something happened, killed a film crew member, unfortunately, and there was a resulting insurance investigation that tied it up for years, so it just sat fenced off, and finally when that ended, they said, keep it. So here it sits in Wendover. Yeah, that's the that's Hollywood stuff. There's a lot of that there. Yeah, I'm just thinking through our tour, I mean, you took us around in a... Uh, tour bus, I would call it, right? Yep. Shuttle. Shuttle, yeah. And we went to the... We saw a lot of these sites we've talked about with the movies, and we went into... Was it Hangar 2? Mm-hmm. And in Hangar 2, there's some privately owned fighter jets. Yeah. it's really what they are. And that one, what's cool about that, you mentioned, is it's all original... There hasn't been really restoration that's taken place in, in that hangar. It's just... Right. So so if I get families who know that their you know father or grandfather was on a bomber crew out here, I'll try and at least take the time to walk him out in that building because for all we know, he might have been operating out of that hangar with his plane. Those are the original walls, the original floor, walking where they walked. And it's a big one. It's, it's a, a good-sized hangar. From there, we went and we've checked out the fire station as well. Go down. My first experience of going down a fire pole. And how was it? It was amazing. <laughs> it's actually kind of like a little, little nerve-wracking. Like, what if I do this wrong? And boom. That's what I was worried about, too. So, <laughs> we both survived. The- yeah. It was great form. I think you need to change careers now. Go yeah. to the fire service. Yeah, yeah I, I, I hugged it like a... <laughs> <laughs> Like you'd hug a pole. Like you'd hug a pole if you like, <laughs> depended on it. <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. That's I mean, cool. What I liked about that space was there's an old time TV in there and a fridge. A couple of Jeeps. Yeah. Jeeps are really cool. A couple and an old fire engine, right? A couple old fire engines. Yeah. So yeah. I'll. 
At least all the vintage vehicles we have on site, okay, almost all of them are operational, including our two fire engines. So we're trying to build this up to be a living history site. So someday you can come down and see, you know, our 1943 fire engine pumping water or something like that. That'd be fun. That'd be cool. And you noted that, you know, we've talked a little bit about the haunted history stuff in the fire station. That seems to be a hotbed or a, a site where there's spooky stuff that happens. I've definitely heard there's activity. Anyone who's worked at the airport for long enough, they've had to go out there at inopportune times and whatever it is, shadow figures, sounds, etc., that's not a place they like to be, at least at nighttime. Even to the point of someone saying that they were grabbed and saved from falling off like up in the offices because someone was there, even though they were the only one in the building. Yeah, I can't explain it. And you noted that there's some pictures in, I guess, the kitchen area of the former fire... Was it like the Chief. former crew? The fire chiefs. Fire chiefs. <clears throat> and one of them, his son, ended up working at the fire station all the years later and thought that it was his dad yep. grabbing him. That was him falling. As far as he's concerned, his dad saved him from plummeting to the floor a couple stories down. <laughs> yeah. But you also mentioned, too, that there's going to be like a Boy Scout troop to spending the night there. Does that happen often, people spending the so, night up here? So yeah, we try to make our saves available for groups like that. We have, just in the next month, a couple scout troops coming out. They'll do a service project while we're here, we'll give them a tour, teach them the history. But yeah, we often put them up in the fire station, mainly because there's plumbing. But oh. <laughs> So they just throw bags on the ground and yep. have a good night? We hope. Hopefully a good night. That'd be fun. I, I never got to do that as a scout, so... Yeah, you're involved with the scouts these days. Maybe you could, or the young men. Yeah, maybe youth. you could. The youth got a new idea for a place to bring them. Yeah, service project. That'd be fun. Do they when they do come out here? Do you guys rope off the fire pole, or you let them just have at it? We'll close the gate, but what happens after we leave? We don't know. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're not responsible. They have to sign it. The waiver. A waiver. Yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't sign a waiver. Did you sign a waiver? <laughs> From there, we went to... Next, we went to the building with the vaults. Oh, that's right, where they have the, the site, the... Yeah, the bomb sites. Is that where you put your kids in timeout? <laughs> <laughs> that's where I make extra money on my tour. A little ransom for me to open the door back up. So, yeah, we locked away our top-secret Norden bomb sites, this technology we use to target from our bombers at high altitude in World War II, they would, when they landed, they took that, it was an analog computer, state-of-the-art thing at the time, take it from the plane, walk it right back there, go through a barbed wire fence, armed guard, check it in, and they were maintained and locked away in a literal bank, or a vault with a bank safe door. I mean, they were not messing around with that technology, and ours is one of maybe two examples left in the country that's still standing as an intact building. You say it's you said one of two in the country? From what we know. What's what's the other one? The other one would be back east somewhere at what remains of one of the old bases, but I don't actually know if that's still standing. But it's not as intact even even at what you knew of 
what no. it was is not quite what you have here. No. And then anything else that's left, it's usually just the concrete vault with or without doors sitting out in the field. The building has dilapidated around it. Yeah. And there's not much going on. So it's a really unique piece as far as this specific Army Air Force history because that was an important piece of technology. It's cool that so much is still left intact. I mean, a lot has gone away. You even mentioned, I don't think we brought up the, was it the Philadelphia Project movie? The Philadelphia Experiment. Even for that movie, they were given permission to burn down a whole building. A whole couple buildings. Several buildings, yep. Our old engineering shop, we had a, I don't know the condition, but it was still standing in an old parachute drying loft, which is a really unique shaped building where they would hang the parachutes, make sure they were dry and static free before they wrapped them, because you don't want your parachute to cling when you're trying to open it. So yeah, th- this base kind of kept going away, and when our director came around 2000, he started trying to make sure nothing else went down or left, and we're building up from there. It's still amazing how much is left intact when decisions like that were made to Absolutely. just scrap it, yep. and you still have a lot of things here to, to build off of and don't have to completely rebuild something to imagine what it would have looked like, because mm-hmm. it's still there. That's awesome. And there's a few things we would like to recreate, buildings that are completely gone, but it makes all the difference when you have that authentic experience with the original buildings and infrastructure. Yeah. And even with, I mean, there's only so many pictures you can have to right. be able to recreate something. If you have the at least the framework, it makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the bigger talking points or people may know of here is the Enola Gay Hanger. Right. So briefly mentioned our involvement with the Manhattan Project. We were selected to train the atomic mission groups with their B-29s. Well, when they arrived with these brand new big bombers, they were too large for any of our other hangars. So beginning in late 44, our B-29 hangar, they started construction just for the 509th Composite Group and the 393rd Bomb Squadron that was operating those bombers so that they had a place to be maintained out of the elements. So you could park two of those bombers inside. It's an all-metal hangar, which is also different. Most of the other hangars and buildings on base were wood, just because of wartime resourcing. So we were at a point where they thought that steel was able to be used for that important project. So we've been pushing along, trying to get that restored to be the main museum building. So, I mean, even just probably 10 years ago, that was almost more rust or more skylight than metal. It had rusted through so bad it was a rainbow of colors on the outside. So it's been completely reskinned with new sheet metal, looking much nicer. The wooden exteriors with offices, like where Paul Tibbetts was, those were literally falling off of the main steel structure. So that's been stabilized, put back together. Now we keep pushing forward, trying to raise the funds. We have restrooms going in soon, so we can really start offering it for more public events and we're working on an atomic mission exhibit we have aircraft ready to go inside and trying to make it a destination i mean that it's unique we don't have the enola gay but it was there and i think that's pretty impactful for people it's a scary place to be in too just from the it's really windy out here and just the way the with the metal it makes some scary sounds as you're walking around it's a loud building on a windy day like this it's hard to hear one another just from that sheet metal shaking so you can imagine what it's like at night time or yeah it's an interesting place to explore 
You're hearing some of the sounds the ghost hunters when they came through heard, right? The banging. <laughs> yeah, our broken door that likes to slam shut. I'm pretty sure that's what spooked them out of there. Yeah. <laughs> in the dark. Well, that would be uh, mentioned in the while we were there. It would be a great place to put a whole bunch of pickleball courts. <laughs> and the banging of the pickleball. You just would... can't quit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not pickleball, but this used to be the... Pool and table tennis rooms. Oh, I'm really? Ho- I'm hoping to revive that. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah. Like table tennis and people here for prom would probably like that too. I know. And we used to have a rec center and a bowling alley on base because you have to do something to boost morale where there's nothing like what there was in Wendover. So they built a bowling alley for the guys. The rec center had might have had two full size courts inside or at least one. Oh, nice. So, I mean, they could recreate inside in a designated area. And they had a theater. They had a couple theaters on base. Okay. They had to watch all the brand new movies out of Hollywood. <laughs> For the time period. Right. But they barely missed Con Air for a few decades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So unfortunate. What a masterpiece. And then we got to take a tour of a plane. As well. That was, was that outside of the Enola Gay hangar? Yeah, right outside of the hangar. We're restoring, it's called a Douglas C 54 Skymaster. So it was actually built at the tail end of World War II, flew for the Marine Corps, and then fought forest fires. That was its life experience. But we had several of those aircraft here on base as part of the Atomic Mission Group. So we just acquired that a couple years ago and it's going to be restored to look like one of those planes that was here in Wendover flying atomic bomb parts moving the men and materials of the atomic mission group around the country and world so you'll be able to walk through that in the B-29 hangar and check out a vintage plane yeah as we were going through all the stops there's little restoration projects going on everywhere at all times that was one of them trying to bring that back to his former Glory. The last place we got to check out was the nurses' quarters. Yeah, we went to the nurses' quarters. So we had a 300-bed hospital complex here on base. So you can imagine it was even more desolate back then, so we wanted to be able to handle most medical situations if something went down. So they had beds for in case you know, we had another outbreak of influenza like we did in World War One, or any time one of these bombers crashed. I mean, you could have 10 casualties or even 10 fatalities. So I'm sure the hospital was pretty well used. You said there was 300? How many? It was a 300-bed hospital. Sorry, how many people? You said over the time, like one of the, some of the unsung heroes of the war was the people that just lost their lives in training, right? Right. And a lot of people lost their lives here as well. Yeah, so far we've tallied. We're still trying to acquire more records, but there were... Over 130 airmen killed in Wendover. Okay. Which is substantial mm-hmm. for the level of what we were doing. Nationwide, over 15,000 airmen and even some of the wasps, the female pilots, were killed just in training. Yeah. So preserving a training base like this really helps emphasize those individuals who didn't even make it to combat, and yet they were sacrificing their lives for their country in this mm-hmm. global conflict. Yeah. But all the more reason why they had to have such a big site for treating people that hopefully they could save that had a, you know, an accident or whatever may have happened. Right. Exactly. And then from what we found that our max might've been like 17 nurses, there were women in a few other positions around the base, but 
take it on the lighter side. I mean, there were a lot more guys. They wanted to keep their morale up and especially being able to interact with American women before you ship overseas to who knows what. I mean, they would bust in women every weekend. They were called junior hostesses for the USO. They'd come in from Salt Lake to Willa Elko. They'd come hang out with the airmen for the night, be their date. It was a whole program organized on a weekly basis. So that spared the nurses from some of uh, the fighting, I'm sure, was going on between sure. the men. <laughs> sure. 17 women to however many men were here. To like 18,000 guys. So Wow. Hmm. Yeah, we've started restoring the nurses' quarters, so we have a few rooms put together so you can kind of see them as they would have been. We have plans for doing a couple more rooms in there. We also share that with that art group, Cluey, so you'll see some other assorted projects and even some remnants from spook alleys back in the day when probably the local high school was using it as a fundraiser. You know, we saw the chalk line in one of the rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Still prints. And what's interesting, too, is right next to that section of the, the base, there's a, a mobile home park. Yeah. And then right in the middle is, what was it? A, daycare. Uh, daycare. We, got, we got the Head Start Preschool right Head in the middle preschool, of the old right there. hospital and barracks compound. So. It's making use of the space. Yeah. And actually in that area, we even have the original morgue still as part of the hospital. Oh. oh. Which someone just rents as like a garage right now. So I, a garage. I don't know how scary it is. That, uh, we, we talked about the dead history. We had them on a couple years ago and they did an investigation in the nurses' quarters and said that was one of the scarier areas of the whole site. Some angry nurse that is there and doesn't want people around her space. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what response they've gotten, but I know everyone just walks in that building and kind of their stomach drops. I did feel that a little bit, especially with this spooky mirror that the art people yeah, put at the very... The, the funhouse mirror. Yeah, the very, like, kind of horror movie, The Shining yeah. or something weird. Very much so. And then there was that voice that just kept yelling at us the whole time in there. Yeah. That was weird. And this scratch I got on my back. <laughs> that was me. But the voice, oh. that was Selma. That was we, were like, we were like at the very beginning, and I swear, like I heard, I think it was just the wind, but I thought and at the end of the hallway, and I'm like, is someone else in here? <laughs> and then you heard it too, but I think it was just the wind. Yeah. I think. We can't be certain. Or somebody whispering in the wind. Yeah. The nurse telling us to get out. No men allowed. I think that's mostly what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite a place. It's I mean I I didn't realize how much there was to this. Yeah. It's got a big footprint, even just you know, it's a functioning airport and so it's got a lot of space. The we didn't even mention we went out to the what do you call it? The runway? Yeah, we were we right out, out by our main town ten thousand foot runway. Yeah, we saw our fancy hole in the ground, which is where they used to load the atomic bomb prototypes. Mm-hmm. It's one of four remaining loading pits in the world, two of which are here, two of which are on Tinian Island, where Little Boy and Fat Man were loaded for the missions. So, I mean, as far as atomic history, even world history, there's there's some unique things here in Little Wendover. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned before this is my first time out to Wendover, and not knowing this is here. I think there's so many people that don't know this is here. It's interesting to me as you talk, you say a lot, we had this, we did this, and it just adds that element of the care and 
like love that you have for this place. I mean, you obviously weren't alive in the 40s and all that time, but the way you talk about it, you're claiming it. And I mean, I think just for you, they've got a good person to take care of this and help hopefully build this this program up and, and really restore this place to what it what it could be. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Every day's different. Just last week, I spent an hour in the bucket truck, the de-icer, up at the top of the hangar trying to free our tail door that got stuck. So I was up there with a pry bar trying to get that down. I also volunteer on the airport fire department, so sometimes I get to drive that fancy truck around that I showed you the picture of, only because it's not here. Otherwise, I'd show you. I mean, some days I'm putting insulation in one of the buildings as part of a restoration project, or I'm in my office doing research, writing for exhibits. So it varies, but there's so much history here to be preserved and shared. It, it's difficult that it's in Wendover. Right. Because it's hard to get people out here, hard to let yeah. them know. But if it were anywhere else, this would be gone. Because most of the time when That's someone's true. heading to Wendover, they're heading across the border, right? And, exactly. And Heading for a party. Heading for the free steak meal or whatever they get with their rewards program. Um, <laughs> We're working up to that. <laughs> <laughs> so on a on a on a day to day, like how many uh, individuals like are do you run into on a daily basis out here? Like how many humans do you see outside of tourists? <laughs> A living couple. living humans, not the ones that have passed yeah. away. Or the mannequins. Those, <laughs> those still get me sometimes. <laughs> Same. I mean, this, this time of year, it's pretty quiet. There might be like 10 people that come through. But come summer, we have up to 100 visitors a day. Well, outside of visitors, how many people that you like interact with on a daily basis are here? Besides you your family and your kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, sometimes my director's here. He actually commutes from Salt Lake. He's here a couple days a week. Okay. Um, so we'll work with him. We have a couple part-time employees, Debbie and Kathy, who help run the gift shop in the building. So we couldn't do it without them. Otherwise, it's interacting with airport staff, whether I'm out on the flight line or there, coming to say hi. So not not very many. Not many. But you know the names, uh, of, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. We appreciate you hosting us, letting us come out and giving us the... VIP tour of everything, yeah. and he doesn't have a script here. He's not reading all this stuff. This is all just from memory. These, which these was facts. crazy because we were going running through the place. Like, yeah, you're a walking <laughs> uh, encyclopedia, I guess you say, or history yeah. book. Can I ask one more like off-topic question? So, like, when you have a day off, what do you guys? What does your family do for fun? On when you have time to go do something, what do you guys do? I mean, that's usually when we leave town and go shopping <laughs> at like Walmart. Ooh. To drive an hour and a half to Tooele, we might go a little further into the valley and actually hit some big stores. Wife loves Target. And, of course, we got to get Taco Bell while we're out. It's sure. one of the things I missed That's the most that. since <laughs> That's crazy. moving here. I have one literally half a mile from my house, and I never go there. So stuff you take for granted, right? Yeah. You don't have it. My goodness. It's like, if I was in your shoes. <laughs> I, I hope I can help you appreciate your yeah. local eateries and activities. Wendover's a different place, but it's certainly has a unique beauty. And once you can look past the casinos, there's still quite a few things to do out here. Another curiosity question. So do you punch a clock or do you just have, how do you, how does your work day work? Do you take days off or are you just, <laughs> what do you, my, my schedule's pretty free. I mean, I am 
full time, but I'm pretty open to schedule that how I want. Sure. I usually try to be here weekends just so I can offer tours because that's usually our busier time. Sure. So I might be gone on like a Monday. So if you really want a tour, maybe try to avoid Mondays. But let me know and we can work it out. Right. We're, we're um, here on a Monday. <laughs> see, we made it work. Because I mean, you live basically on base, so you're almost like a 24-7 making sure like nothing goes wrong or, right. you know. So, so some of the times I've been out in those buildings at night, it's because I'll feel like I need to make a nighttime inspection and I might find one of the old buildings broken into or oh, really? any number of things have happened. Just a couple of years ago, we had one of our barracks burned down due to unfortunate circumstances. So, yeah, think things to watch when all your buildings are 80 plus years old, just kind sure. of like kindling at this point. It was actually someone renting it, but they had a wood burning stove they didn't oh, know how to use. Goodness. So, it was just sad. They were that. renting it? Yeah, so some of those are rented as mainly storage space. Okay. But they kind of had like a workshop in there. Okay. And there was a work burning stove. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Happens. Which that's, but they were they were okay though. They were okay. The building. So could so we could we rent some of them to open up our own spook alley or haunted house? So some of them are still available. I mean that that's a way that the airport can bring in some income. So ultimately, we'd like to get to a point where we can have purview over those buildings, restore them for visitors. But in the meantime, it's a good way to get income for the area. Interesting. Spook alley, huh? Is that what we, our dream? To open up our own haunted house? Sure, yeah. The Windover Spook Alley. <laughs> worth the drive. Worth it. Not even just that. It's it's worth the drive to come out and check this place out. Even if you're not going to do the... What, I guess you could call them the sins over the border. Just coming out to check out the this place, I think, is worth your time. Oh, yeah. If you have, like, any... Any fascination? Fascination with World War II. I mean, this mm-hmm. is like, this is like information. It's like Disneyland overload. overload. And that—that's that, the vision we have in mind: is a World War II Disneyland. We want mm. you to come onto this base, and it will be the 1940s. Yeah. So we're still working up to that, but we have the footprint of these original buildings, and we're doing it kind of a step at a time. And people can donate. People can. I mean, how can people get involved and help out with the project? So, I mean, we always love volunteers. We have a pretty limited volunteer staffing. If you have any specialties or no specialties at all, I mean, we'd be happy to take you if you want to help us restore buildings. If you want to become a docent, you can give tours. But otherwise, yeah, most of our funding comes from donations and grants because we are just a nonprofit. So you can donate online. We have a gift shop. That's a good way to get something in return for investing in our efforts here um but yeah if you follow us on social media we keep you posted share a lot of historical photos interesting artifacts projects that are going on we try and keep this place alive and you run the social media as well i do we wear a lot of hats here a lot of hats a lot of helmets (laughs) (laughs) all the things anything else you want us to know I appreciate you guys coming out. Thank you for helping get the word out about Wendover. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the, the invite. Just now kind of frustrated that it took us so long to get out here. <laughs> I know. 
That, that means we got a few more things done between now and then. So you got to see yeah. a more polished product. In all fairness, it's hard for us to make it out of our front door sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know how that goes. Yeah. So come in two hours, you know. We're, we're glad we finally come here and for you reaching out and extending the invitation. It's been a, it's been a real treat, to be honest. Yeah, it's awesome. It was a lot. I had no, I had no expectations going in, but yeah. it's so, it way exceeded my expectations. Well, so, thanks for that. I love the <laughs> world too. Like my grandpa fought in the war and I loved hearing his story. So it's right. kind of cool to see like, just like, well, yeah, stepping back. Like I said, it's a time machine stepping back in to the forties. So, and the thing is the way the army worked, the way the military worked, I mean, everything was common construction, et cetera. So like, I know you guys did an episode about Kern's army air base. Mm-hmm. While most of that, or all of that's gone, I mean, this largely represents what parts of it would have looked like. Walking through these buildings, it's representative of the Army Air Force as a whole, as Army life as a whole. Yeah. So, Well, it's crazy to think how much history Utah has with bases. The war. The war and stuff like that. I didn't realize how much involvement we had in it when we're so inland, right? So... Hey, that's probably why, because it was just, it's inconspicuous. True. No one would expect. No one's. And if they did expect, they couldn't reach us. Exactly. So that was the other benefit, yeah. especially for like the atomic mission. It was away from enemy forces. That's part of why it's so darn hard to get out here. I know. <laughs> I know. It had its purpose. Yeah. So well, you, and yeah. yeah. Thank you guys. If, we're still waiting on more details, but stay tuned. We are bringing the air show back for the first time since COVID came along. So sometime in August, keep your ears posted. You can come out and actually see some performers, military static planes, etc. Really check out the base then. See it at its fullest extent. See reenactors roaming the base. So that's a good time to check it out. But yeah, and if it's any indication what it happened with the air show this last year in Hill Air Force Base, you know, maybe it can be, yeah. maybe not as big, but still there was a lot of interest in that. Hopefully people can come out here for that as well. Yep. We'd love details to come. We'll share details as they come out. Since we're the official podcast of the Windover Historic Airfield. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you are now. Yeah, we are now. Yeah, but what, what a really cool experience. I... I mean, I don't, I would guess there's not a lot of people, especially our age, Brandon, you're not even close to my age, but the younger generation that, that even is aware of or the greatest, the, the greatest, greatest generation. generation of all that probably even are aware of, of the base there. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I might've known that it was there, but I didn't realize you could do tours of it and stuff like that. I know a lot of a lot of my friends, a lot of people I talk to. I think there's a lot of people who are World War II buffs, not necessarily buffs, but have interest in it and think it's cool to to, to visit. There's even like a joke about um, Gen X, like Gen Xers like me, that like that's what we do. We we read World War II novels. That's like our thing. Or, or you like smoke that. meats. You got to pick one of the two. Yeah. So hopefully we shed some light for for listeners out there to, to go check it out. It's worth it. If you have any like interest in World War II, um, really cool to check out. And then even if you're like a movie buff and you want to see some cool filming locations. But um, one thing we didn't talk about with him is that um, after we got done recording, he let us go over and tour the 
other museum they have there, which is just the airport that is uh, functioning right now. Right. And so they have more items, you know, World War II items over there. But outside of the ghost that we encountered, um, the scariest part of the whole trip was climbing that tower <laughs> with when we left recording 500 uh, mile per hour winds yeah it was super windy um had to take my hat off and, and it was cold too it was like that cold wind and then climbing that tower which i'm like how are we even allowed to climb this thing without like <laughs> signing a waiver any signing a waiver or any supervision at all and I, luckily they do have a little like kind of amusement park right things that you know from big you must be this tall to, to climb this tower but um if it weren't windy and it weren't cold it would have been just fine but like shivering going up those stairs if you slip you could be in trouble but it was um and the funny thing is the older i get the more afraid of heights i get are you that way at all or have you not gotten to that stage yet in your life is it a stability thing being up high and knowing your body isn't as agile as it used to be? Maybe. No, I think once you become a responsible adult and mm. realize that, Oh, you are mortal and you can die. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that you did as a kid, you're like, oh, seriously, I'm, I, I am baffled sometimes how I'm still alive with all the stupid things I did as a kid. And I'm also amazed. I think I'm going to curse myself by saying this, but I haven't really had stitches from an injury or a broken bone. The closest I had was I dislocated my finger. Wow. But I'm like, how is that even possible? But I think that's just it. When you just start thinking of how easy it is to get injured, then you start being a little more cautious. But it was still fun climbing the tower. Like I said, I'd like to go back and climb it when it's not 500 mile per hour wind and it's not freezing cold. Um, and I was worried too. It was went so windy, and I had my phone in like my pouch of my hoodie, and I was like afraid the whole time that that was going to blow away. <laughs> but I didn't have the guts to pull it out and put it in my pocket because I was like <laughs> so cold and it was so windy that I was going to drop my phone. So I took it very easy on the way up till I could have stability to put it in my pocket. Um, but man, it was cold. But and they showed us a video that... too in the airport. Yeah, that was kind history. Of, uh, yeah. And I think they will also show you that video in the other museum as well. Cause I saw some people when we were leaving were watching a video in the restaurant area, which I don't think we really Yeah, we didn't mention in. that. Yeah, and they kind of have that cool little diner. Not what what would it be like the That's what they want to make it. There's part of one of the restoration items or things they want to do is build a functioning restaurant there and have an old school feel to it like a soda fountain that kind of stuff which i think would be super awesome oh yeah it'd be really cool and i think that would if anything just drive more people to to visit the base yeah um but one of the funnest parts of the whole trip was when we got down from the tower and brandon started freaking out because he thought i was possessed by a demon <laughs> by the the nurse but anyways, if you didn't listen to the last episode, I have transitioning lenses. And so my eyes get really dark in different lighting settings. And so that's how I can tell people are looking at me in the eye because they'll be like, what's going on with your eyes? <laughs> and mo most of the time I, I do play it off and say, 
you know, I'm being possessed or I'm just really ticked off right now. Um, but I didn't do that to Brandon, but it was fun to, to see him get a little nervous for a minute thinking, oh crap, this place really is haunted. And Nate just got possessed by a demon. So might be. The other thing was we got to go into the Conair airplane afterwards as well. So another yes. thing you can do on. And we re- reenacted the whole movie <laughs> while we were in there. Yep. It was good. So one other thing that we didn't mention that I want to bring up. So if you've ever heard of or read about the paper cranes that came about after the atomic bomb, I read this book as a kid. It was called Sudoku or something. But it's about a little girl that, well, she had cancer as a result of the bomb, as a lot of people did back in those days. And if they survived it or right, being near the radiation. But if you would make a thousand or 10,000 paper cranes, I don't remember how many it is that you would get to grant your wish and her wish was to be better. And so it kind of started this movement and a lot of people would make paper cranes and send them to her. And they have at the museum actually one of the original paper cranes that she made. And so that was a cool thing to see. And we kind of went through a lot of the exhibits pretty quick. We probably could have spent more time standing around and looking at artifacts and things, but there's a lot there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would take four-hour episode just to kind of go over what we saw. Right. Um, and I did. I do think, did it take us a good three three hours or so, three, four hours from Probably. start to finish being there? So, um, and like you said, we kind of jumped from place to place. But, yeah, you could, you could easily spend, especially if you're into World War II um, history, you could easily spend a whole day there and probably want to go back and see some more. Taking a tour out there, definitely a high recommendation from us. You can help support them by even just following them on social media, following what they do and the updates they give, or you can donate to the cause. And if you think about it, it will save you money on your next trip to Wendover because that's less time you'll spend in the casino gambling and losing your money. There you go. Because not all of us are lucky like you, Brandon, to to walk out of Wendover. (laughs) A rich man. With money in their pocket, I should say. But again, thanks to Landon and Debbie and everybody at the historic Windover Airfield. It was a great experience and really made our whole trip worth it. I look forward to going back out there again. And if you've got any, we've done a couple military episodes. If there's any that we're missing, anything you guys could recommend to us, we'd be happy to check out other things or other museums. Definitely open to check out other museums. Well, we do need somebody to reach out to us from the Hill Air Force Museum. I have yet mm. to been been there. That's a I've good... yet to been there. <laughs> there. <laughs> That's a good one. I've been there a couple times. Be a good one to check out. Yeah, but it'd be nice to get a guided tour, like or a private tour, I should say, like we got here. And uh, that's the episode. You know, sometimes I think we need to come up with a better sign off. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think we just started doing that from the first episode. <laughs> just yeah. going. And please let us know how we should sign off on our episodes because sometimes it's a struggle to end. I, I don't I don't know what to do with my hands. Thanks for listening to This Is a Place podcast. See you next week. 